Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome to The Connection, a weekly radio program where we share our experiences and expertise with stories of caring, courage, and change right here in Connecticut. Listen to learn about needed resources to improve your well-being and transform your life. Now, here are the hosts of The Connection, Lisa DeMattis-Lapore and Ann Baldwin. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to another edition of The Connection. I'm Ann Baldwin, one of the hosts of this program, and I am so happy that joining me today is Lisa DeMattis-Lapore, who's the president and CEO of The Connection. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Ann. How are you? Hanging in there like everybody else, right? I'm starting to see some light at the end of the tunnel. It's interesting. I had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine scheduled for the day that they pulled the plug on it. So now my first vaccine will be um, this week. So I'm looking forward to that so I can be like everybody else and hopefully get back to some sense of normalcy because it's driving me nuts. Yes, well, I'm, I'm happy that you're going to be getting your vaccine. That's great news. It will. And you won't see it on Facebook. That's one thing I'm having a little bit of a problem with. <laughs> you know, what? The, why, why does everybody feel like, hey, I got my first shot. I got my second shot. Who cares? I mean, who cares? But here I am talking about it. So anyway, um, you know, we always try to pass along some, some good, thought-provoking, useful information on this program, Lisa. And uh, there's a gentleman that I've had the pleasure, I will say, the, the extreme pleasure of working with. And he's Tom Casey. He's the founder and managing principal of Discussion Partner Collaborative, which is a global advisory firm. And uh, they've got over 200 consultants, but really his area of expertise is in organizational transformation strategies. And so what that means is, you know, helping organizations kind of figure it out. Um, organizations that might even be like the connection. So what got me thinking about this was a recent blog post that Tom authored and sent over to me so that I could take a look at. So we'll get into all that, Lisa, and I know you're excited to talk to Tom as well, and I think he's going to give us all some good, useful information on one special word today, and that word is empathy. So Tom Casey, welcome to the program. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, ladies. Glad to hear you progressing in terms of getting your shots. I've, I've had my two. It's the only advantage of being as old as I am. And you get to the front of the line. <laughs> um, I won't comment <laughs> Don't on that. Don't go there, Tom. Don't, yeah, exactly. We're, <laughs> we're right behind you, Lisa and I. So, Tom, talk a little bit about your recent blog and kind of what sparked the idea for you to write something in regard to empathy. First off, thank you for having me on. Discussion Partners is a uh, research-oriented advisory firm. And on an ongoing basis, we do pulse surveys. And we have a population of about 1,500 people. 
um, mostly executives globally, and we pose questions about what's important, what's not important, what are you thinking type of things. And we usually get a really good response. And what happened is right around the time at the beginning of the pandemic, back in March, the Pulse surveys indicated that the younger workers who were as part of this population and or reporting to them began to be rethinking what they were looking for in terms of the current leaders, but also the future leaders. And we wrote a book about it called Leadership Development, The Next Curve to Flatten. But what happened is jumping out at us was that the behaviors that people were looking for were substantively different than, you know, market share, customer experience, profit. What they were really looking for was the manifestation of behaviors, principally empathy, but also transparency, accountability, and collaboration. You don't usually hear in the commercial sector the word empathy, all right, Mm -hmm. as a desired behavior. And what we began probing and have continued to probe, thus the blog and that you're referring to, is, well, what do you mean? How do you define it? What happens if it's not there? And what are the implications in terms of, as we emerge from the pandemic, what will it look like? And how will leaders be evaluated on it? And if found wanting, what will happen? It's refreshing to hear that. And I do think that having empathy is extremely important, especially if you're a leader. I've read other articles. Um, I know New York Times, you know, talked about what the new leaders need to look like moving forward, not fear-based um, in, uh, leaders, but those that do have empathy. And I, and I think that there's a lot of people that believe that if you have empathy, you know, you can't be a leader and you can't run an organization. And I, I totally disagree with that. People don't want to work in fear. I think you can be empathetic and understanding and be a strong leader. But isn't it true that a lot of folks think that they can't, for some reason, they can't be that, that they have to play some other type of a role in order to be a leader? I I completely disagree. Yeah, I I would have to uh, uh, embrace your disagreement because the conclusions that we've drawn when we were uh, creating the book and certainly the research that we've uh, uh, enjoyed subsequently, uh, I would take the view that a leader who is not empathetic is an endangered species mm-hmm. because the pandemic has taught us, if nothing else, that the rules have changed. And Absolutely. The, the concern that I would have for people, one is you have a whole group of people out there who think they're perceived as empathetic and they're frankly perceived by their uh, associates as Genghis Khan. Hmm. All right, so th- this is the category if we put into legends in their own mind. And you, you have others who are faking empathy, okay? And it's so obvious that nobody trusts them. And then you have some who frankly don't think it's a priority, which that goes right into the endangered species because it is. It really is right now. I mean, I was looking at the whole issue here of the research that we've been doing in the construct of all of the other things that are going on in society. In addition to COVID, there's the emerging economic models that we have to focus on. There is the uh, institutional racism that is being confronted. There is a whole issue here in terms of what the, the, the workers are looking for 
And frankly, they're not all that happy with the people that are leading them. And mm -hmm. it really is a wake-up call, Lisa, to your point. Okay, I don't think it... I, 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 to me, it's not an issue of agreement or disagreement. It's an issue of you better move on because it's not debatable anymore. You know, Tom, I think that empathetic leaders motivate teams to do their best work. I believe that they listen and they acknowledge others' needs and contributions. And they cultivate a shared vision and loyalty as a direct result of their investment in their team. I would say that that is almost an outcome if you have an empathetic leader. To define empathy is a little bit like quantifying love, all right, because it's mm -hmm. going to be perceived by the associate, the direct report, or frankly, the colleague. Right. And what we're really finding in terms of the, the you know, now statistically significant research that we've done and then the writing that we've been focusing on is that the, the, the leader themselves needs to be introspective, not necessarily a strong suit in many successful people, right? I will, right. They continue to want to do the things that have worked in the past. So what we're, right. what we're basically saying is it's time for a reset button. One of the stories that was in the blog that Ann referred to was a dinner hosted by then Attorney General Bobby Kennedy where he was surrounding himself with people of color, uh, Harry Belafonte, Lena Horne, some historians, political uh, uh, folks, all of whom were of color. And he, he really wanted to hear more about fully expecting that they were going to be complimentary about uh, what the administration was attempting to do on civil rights. Frankly, they beat up on the guy. I mean, frankly, if the dinner hadn't been held in his apartment, he probably would have left. But he had he had the he had the ability to step back and say, "All right, what was I thinking? I'm a privileged white man. Mm -hmm. Why why would I be able to say I understand how they feel to be of color or to be? You know, we're looking at the whole phenomenon of the, the uh, Asian population living in fear." I mean, if we, mm -hmm. if we go into the whole domain of diversity, you know, we, we're, we, you know, it's, there's a, a need for us to step back and say, maybe it's time that we start thinking differently about what it takes to be a leader. And if you've ever worked for someone that, that is lacking empathy, which I can tell you, especially in the news business, some of my bosses and even their bosses, when I had situations, whether it was with kids or family members, there was no empathy, none, okay? And, and I have, if anything, I've learned from that because I have empathy today for people. You know, someone may have a situation that isn't, doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Maybe their kid has a fever. And some people say, so what? I say, I'm empathetic to that because I understand it. So do what you got to do and don't worry about it. To me, that's empathy, Right. And Lisa, you're on an organization that, that couldn't run itself or couldn't, wouldn't be what it is today if, if not only you at the top, but each and every one of your employees has to have empathy. Look at the situations that they're in each and every day. Well, I think building a culture of empathy takes a whole team. I, I think empathy has to be experienced to be learned. Mm -hmm. When a, a leader thinks, feels, and acts with empathy, it encourages others to do the same. And it's important because the full value and the lift from empathy comes when it's a shared value and common behavior, right, within a team or within your organization. 
Um, I think it's, uh, Tom, I think it's the catalyst for creativity, innovation, and engagement. I would agree with you, but it's also now, and this I'm going to put a commercial spin on your comment, Lisa, which I, as I say, I do agree with. I frankly think it's now necessary for enterprise sustainability. You know, you can have a number of successful organizations being led by an Attila. All right, they're mm-hmm. they're they're all mm-hmm. they're all over the place. Okay? Oh, yeah. Frankly, some of them are among the most admired, and because of the success and the way the shareholders and boards keep score, uh, you know, the more draconian the uh, practices, sometimes mm-hmm. the better. So we're we're um, in violent agreement with you is that in order for you to get the most out of your associates as we oh, emerge from this pandemic. Mm-hmm. You have to be able to do that, or I would say your organization is fragile. Mm. One of the things we're going to be coming to grips with, and Anne, this goes back to the point you made in terms of being able leaders to truly be empathetic to walk their own talk, is you are going to have organizations that are having difficulty finding staff right now. Mm-hmm. All right, there is uh, uh, whether it's hospitality or retail or technology, or all kinds of various sectors. I was on the phone with a um, client this morning in New York City that is uh, in a position right now where they're in the process of opening and they can't find people. And what you don't want to happen, which I think is the vulnerability, is you don't want people not to want to join the organization and or even worse, leave the organizations they're currently with is because the leaders are behaving in a way that is now countercultural. So if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Tom Casey, and he's the founder and managing principal of Discussion Partner Collaborative, which is a global advisory firm and oftentimes authors, you know, just some, some amazing pieces, has authored many publications, many books, has a military background, served in both the Air Force and Army Special Ops, so um, the credibility here is no issue. Tom, also in your blog that I recently read, you said that we all need to be open to conflict. Can you explain that? Yeah, I think that one of the, ha- the things that happens that is that nobody likes to be criticized, mm-hmm. all right, you know, particularly when, they, particularly when they think they're perfect, all right? And, and this goes back, I'm going to use the Bobby Kennedy uh, example, all right? Bobby Kennedy was not without ego. All right, but he was open to thinking about what people were expressing when they disagreed with his point of view, and that made him special. All right, so what I'm concluding from that, and frankly what I've been concluding from now over 50 years in advisory work and the military, candidly, is that in order to be successful, you have to have an open mind. And in order to have an open mind, you have to be able to synthesize the information you're getting from people who don't agree with you or else the higher up you go, the more they will shut up and you will not hear the ideas because they'll be afraid to raise it. Exactly. Hmm. I couldn't agree with you more, Tom. I never thought of it like that. I just thought, you know, having people be quiet was a good thing, but what you've done is you shut them down and you've, you've closed that gate to potential growth and opportunity because you're not open to it. You know, we're coming out of a period right now that that uh, both on the in the commercial side and the political side, 
people are, you know, the promotion of their bias, the promotion of their point of view, and they're just ignoring reality. And what happens is if you translate that into what we're learning right now, people will leave. People mm -hmm. won't join. And people won't take the risk if they think they're going to be disagreed with. They will just shut up and make their own plans. You know, one of the things that's happened and it's been happening for a long time, and I'm, I'm sure you would agree with this, is that, you know, I mean, I'm of the generation that, you know, my parents' generation is, you know, they worked for one company for 30 years. Or, and then they got, you know, a gold watch, went on a cruise and died. I mean, that basically was the transition. <laughs> but beginning in the late beginning in the late 90s, you saw people. All right. Throughout the throughout the the, the uh, commercial and not for profit universe, who began thinking much more like free agents, mm -hmm. and that is that is only increasing. That is only increasing, and as we move into the issue here, where the baby boomers like myself actually do leave the workforce, and are replaced by the younger managers, the Generation X managers like uh, Lucy and Ann. All right. Then the issue here is going to become the shifting demographics. There were 87 million boomers born. There were only 44 here domestically, Generation X. And the, the fear that I have if these managers either emulate the close, the close-mindedness of a lot of the boomer managers and or they don't show empathy for another reason, that they're going to have a real problem. And so are their companies. Wow. That's, that's pretty deep, but it's, it's so true. And I wonder if all this plays into, and I'll just throw this out there. So many people now, the housing market nationally here in the United States, at least is just out of control, you know, best offer, best price, cash offers over, over asking. I mean, it's crazy. You can't keep a house on the market around here or anywhere for more than three days. A lot of people are just saying, I'm done. I mean, I think that this whole COVID thing has had people thinking about their life. So they're getting rid of everything. They're packing it up and they're moving. But I guess my question is, how does that change things? Just changing your place doesn't really change anything until you change your attitude and you change your perspective. Well, let me, let me extend the your, your example of the housing market and, and move it into commercial terms right now, because it is a, a element of what we're talking about. Right now, you have a whole group of uh, managers who are in their late 50s, early 60s that are basically saying to their companies, we're done, that the uh, pandemic has essentially promoted an issue here of life is too short. And either they're not coming back or if they are coming back at all, they're not planning on staying as long as the companies had thought they would. Mm -hmm. I, uh, I can't mention the company, of course, but one of the very large clients we have, I mean, a global company, plans on 5% turnover at their executive ranks each year and plans for that. Going into this year, we're working with them because we know they have 12% right now in their executive ranks, which pushes it down again to something that Lisa mentioned in terms of collaboration uh, and the, the, the role that empathy plays in that. Is and, and frankly, it was the, the you know big aha for us when we were writing the book. Is think about the high development, uh, high potential development programs that most organizations have, including this one that now needs to replace twelve percent of their executives. Empathy isn't even there. Mm 
Transparency, if it's there, it's only in terms of reporting financials. Collaboration is there uh, because, you know, frankly, it's one of those things that people automatically check off on a performance appraisal. And, you know, the, the whole issue here is the point of view that we have is, all right, look, at if you don't have empathy, transparency, accountability, and collaboration as criteria in your high potential development programs, you don't have a program. And even worse, if the people that you think are your high potentials can't exhibit those four behaviors, you better restart redefining what it means to be a high potential in your organization. So the, the, we're coming full cycle here in terms of the rules of the game are changed. Mm-hmm. And this, and this, this isn't an issue of the softer skills because, you know, Ann, as you've indicated, you know me, I don't think anybody would perceive me to be soft. No. But I, that doesn't, that means I'm not empathetic or at least try to be. Mm-hmm. And what happens is this is, there, there's the, the definition of Einstein's uh, theory of insanity, continuing to try to do the same things with the expectation of you're going to get different results. And right now we just need to understand the rules that we've all been playing under, they're over. And if we're going to start, frankly, thinking about the legacy we want to leave as leaders and managers, what we want to impart to the people who are coming up behind us. And frankly, hope our organizations are successful. We need to start thinking about augmentation of the behaviors and the, the content knowledge we have and start expanding our horizons to recognize that people do have different expectations. I think that if a company only measures performance, it's really missing out on other um, valuable metrics that you spoke about, such as employee engagement, satisfaction, retention, and diversity is so huge. As I think that was that's well noted, Tom, um, that we need to be focusing on really all of those things. And jobs are getting harder, not easier, correct? Um, mm-hmm. People are not machines. And I think we all have a fundamental need to be understood. And I think that's what a lot of bosses forget. One of the thought leaders that uh, we were associated with is Dr. Linda Gratton. And just coincidentally, she has the front page of the Harvard Business Review, the May and June edition that just came out. And she's talking about the future of work. All right. And uh, what's happening, Lisa, is her her recent strong research orientation is supportive of what you were talking about. But where Dr. Gratton links back totally into what we are talking about right now is it's not only the question of what we will do, how successful we will be if we do these things, if we start thinking about the new worker, if we start maybe asking ourselves the question, uh, what's the advantages of hybrids and remote working models, et cetera. If we don't do that, then the question is, you know, where is that going to leave us? And I'm, I'm, I'm anticipating a lot more vulnerability than we would like. Very interesting. Well, if you want to check out any of Tom's work, you can go to his website, which is discussionpartners.com. 
discussionpartners.com. And, you know, we talked a lot about applying empathy to business and to leadership here on this program today. I think we all need to, even as individuals, try to have a little more empathy because, you know, it sounds so cliche, but you don't know what somebody's going through. And it just makes for a better world. And if we can get anything, any lessons in life out of this horrible COVID situation, hopefully empathy will be one of those lessons that we've learned. I couldn't agree with you more, Anne. Well, ladies, thank you so much for having me on and uh, demonstrating empathy by treating an old man very kindly. <laughs> a very, <laughs> very smart man, I might add as well. And, and this was good. This was good for my heart today. And that always, that's always a good thing. Lisa, thank you so much for joining us today. I know you've got a lot on your plate and, um, you know, I'm thinking of you as we speak. Tom, thank you for your words of wisdom and thank all of you for tuning into this edition of The Connection right here on WTIC News Talk 1080. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.